0: my guest this week is best-selling author Linwood Barkley, who turned screenwriter last year when he adapted his novel Never Saw It Coming for director Gail Harvey, starring Emily Hampshire, Eric Roberts, Sean Benson, and Jennifer Podemsky. Now that the movie's available on VOD, it seemed like the perfect time to grab him for the show. Linwood chose Rear Window, Alfred Hitchcock's 1954 study in voyeurism, paranoia, and murder. James Stewart is L.B. Jeffries, a New York photographer confined to his sweltering apartment with a broken leg. Passing the time by watching his neighbors go about their business, Jeff becomes convinced that a man across the courtyard, Lars Thorwald, has killed his wife. But Jeff can't get anyone to believe the story. So he enlists the help of his physical therapist, Stella, played by Thelma Ritter, and his fashion plate girlfriend, Lisa, played by Grace Kelly, to help him crack the case. Things get complicated in the most interesting way, and you can totally see how watching this as a young person would maybe point one towards a career in elaborately structured mysteries. I don't know. I'm just guessing. This is someone else's movie.
1: We went to see it uh, at TIFF two or three years ago. They mm-hmm. showed, they did a showing a window and they showed like an original print, like a not a restored one. It was, and so it was rainy little places in places. Yeah. Still. Was it pink? Did the, it hold, did the color hold? Uh, I, I'm, I'm no expert. I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah. Oh, you can always, I mean, you don't need to be an expert. You'd know. Yeah. And it, was, uh, and it was, and it was, and it was great to see it. That's fine. I always find that, I mean, I've probably seen it I bet I've seen it 20 times and I always see something new in it every time I see it okay well that's as good like as as I sort of put it on this morning watched the first 10 minutes and I noticed why are there chickens on the roof of that house where the the dancer lives you know that's right <laughs> you're like why are those and, I go, and the movie opens with the blinds being pulled up and like for the first time I thought who's pulling up the blinds because when the camera pulls back Jimmy Stewart's there alone he's mm-hmm. asleep but that's the only time we hear music too all uh, oh, just about music. this because all the other music throughout the movie is this kind of music that's ambient coming from the other apartments and so forth. Yeah, the only um, the only I think non-diegetic that, is the first apparently yeah. according to the IMDb because yep. I double checked it the first three
0: shots which are the shots of the blinds coming up. Yeah, so that I think is Hitchcock setting the stage. Yeah. He's
1: just introducing you to his world. Yeah, because, yeah, all the other music is, you know, that you've got the composer you go up to the, over the one window with the piano and you've got, and it's occasional swing band and, hits, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's all kind of this ambient noise throughout. Yeah. It's just work of brilliance, it really. Is.
0: It is. So, um, this is as easy a way to slide
1: into it mm-hmm. as any. Um, when did you first see it? Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't know when I first saw Rear Window. I'm trying to remember when I first saw it. And, and I don't know if I saw it on TV when I was a kid or what, but I just, I don't, I, I can remember the first time I ever saw The Birds, which was as a little kid, I saw it on TV and it just scared me to death. Yeah. Um, and I don't even remember that my other, you know, I go back and forth on what my favorite movie is and if it's, it's either Rear Window or it's Vertigo and I go back and forth as to which is my favorite, not just my two favorite Hitchcock movies, but my two favorite movies ever. Okay. And even Vertigo, I can't, not sure when I saw that the first time. But at some point, it just clicked, and I kept watching it over and over again. And I think when once we sort of had, you know, VHS tapes, or we had and had DVDs and stuff, that's when I would I ended up buying it, and I just watched it many more times.
0: It is one of those exemplary pieces of cinema. I hate saying that there's a best of anything in terms of Hitchcock's filmography because Vertigo is the darkest and. You know, you could argue that frenzy is darker, but mm. Vertigo is the one that people connect to and care about and remember. There, the the sense of um, the sense in Rear Window that you're watching a storytelling exercise with 25 other storytelling exercises inside of it. I, yeah. I think it's his most complicated movie, even though it's all in one set.
1: I mean, so was Rope, but again, yeah, that's, and that's what I mean. And that's, like, I several takes just for that one too, or so it appears. Mm. But it's. It's maybe it's the most complicated, but it's in a in a lot of ways it's it's the most restrictive because it has this kind of single point of view that you know, I think there's one shot in the whole movie that's not quite correct. His shot as if it's down, you're down in the courtyard and you're looking up. Yeah, towards but, the end it moves but a bit. For the whole entire rest of the movie. You can't see anything more than Jimmy Stewart sees. And even as you sit and watch it, you're kind of turning your head. You're kind of shifting in your chair thinking, if I could just move over a little more, I could see into Raymond Burr's apartment. You know, Thorwald, I could mm-hmm. see what he's doing. But you can't. And I think that's the genius of it, is that you have this totally restricted POV. Yeah, I can't think of any other movie that's ever done anything quite like that. It's
0: the purest example of... Hitchcock's own philosophy, which you know, if you—and I'm sure you've heard this a million times—if you show the bomb, people will be sweating
1: and grinding their teeth. Yeah. If you don't, if there's just an explosion, there's no suspense. Shot. If you don't know there's bomb and it just goes off, right? But there's a lot of suspense if you know there's a bomb and you don't know when it's going to go off. Yeah, that's the whole, the whole key. But this, and and uh, and that's. Which, of course, I think was, what is that, in, in The Secret Agent and Saboteur or whatever is, is yeah. the prime example of that. But but in it's different with Rear Window. There's just something about it is that you have this, you're, and you're also, more than I think in any other of his movies, you're with him putting it together.
0: Yeah, that's it. It's, um, I, I was... Well, I try never to judge people for never having seen a movie before because you can't. You no, can't it's see fine. Right? I think judge the hell out of them. But my <coughs> wife turned out to have never seen <laughs> Her Window. Kate hadn't seen it. She I saw your tweet about night. that. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, really? How did you miss it? How and the die? answer is, there's a good reason, which is that those films, the five Hitchcock films with Universal alone, were out of circulation for a oh, while. Yeah. And so when she was growing up in the UK, it wasn't on television. It okay, I was forgiven. I yeah, but, but I'd right. forgotten that Rear Window was part of the package. It was Rear Window, Vertigo, uh, Rope, The Man Who Knew Too Much, and The Trouble with Harry. Okay. And they that was when I first saw Rear Window. It was when they brought them back around 1984,
1: 1985. Oh, okay. Uh, there was sort maybe of that's, road show Maybe that's around the time I saw it. I just don't know, but I, I it's... It's you know for the longest time I thought my all time favorite movie was The Godfather, but as the years or the Godfather two, right? Sure. But as years gone yeah. I think no, it's just so definite that's got pushed down to f- spot four or five somewhere. But but it's 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 kind of somehow kind of imprinted itself onto me like it's because you know I do I I did a book a few years ago called Trust Your Eyes, which is in many ways an updated Rear Window. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about a guy who's obsessed with a kind of Google Street View kind of site, and he tr- he's traveling the world virtually by what he could see that, ver- that Google cameras have captured, and he thinks he sees a murder in a window that could have happened six months ago, or whatever, just, right. a, just a still.
0: So it's a combination of rear window and blow-up, really. Right. A little bit.
1: and and um, But there's a line that I deliberately put in that novel, which is where this person who thinks he's seen it is, this woman says to him, well, tell me what you've seen and what you think it means. Right. Which, of course, is exactly what Grace Kelly finally says to Jimmy Stewart when she finally thinks he's, he's on to something. And and it's funny. I only like It's only been over, over I think one person who I heard from through email said, who caught that? <laughs> who said, that's the lie? Yeah.
0: Do you think it's because the film has receded um, in the conversation? The, sort of the the last 20 years have really
1: been more about Psycho and Vertigo it, as far as well, it's, it's, I guess there's the truth I mean Psycho is 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 such an, an astonishing film I mean it's it's my third favorite maybe certainly my third favorite Hitchcock movie okay but it's the one that really is also really daring um, I even like that movie Hitchcock the one where uh, what's oh Hopkins uh, uh, and Hopkins and Helen Mirren yeah I like that movie <laughs> because it's it's interesting for what it tells you about the movie itself when they were making it. That's true, yeah. Uh, that making part psycho is, is really... Thing. As well as that documentary about Psycho and the shower scene and so forth. Oh, but, 7852. But, but um, the whole notion of let's kill off the leading lady in the first reel or whatever, first hour of the movie, which had to be just absolutely unthinkable. like oh, you yeah. just That's a rule. You just can't, you just can't do that.
0: Yeah. I you think know. this
1: has come up on the podcast once or twice before in discussions that touch
0: on Psycho. But amazingly enough, this is the only time. This is after... I think this is episode 210. You're the first person to bring a Hitchcock film on. No, really? one's, no one's touched him, which I find absolutely fascinating. It has has Brian uh, talked about Hitchcock before? I, nobody's picked a Hitchcock no one, No one's picked a Hitchcock film before. Really? Yeah.
1: That's bizarre. It is. I, mean, no, I was thinking, I was having a shot about about the only other time I've seen a leading character wiped out mm-hmm. in the f- first reel of weather, I think, was is it Deep Blue Sea, when the shark eats Samuel <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> I mean, and that yeah, that moment so- is like... That didn't happen, you know. But but Psycho is like that. It's like I mean, it's well, Psycho doesn't have a central character. The focus no, shifts every every forty minutes. It's well, kind I guess of Norman is kind of the most central character. Mm. But about, then
0: in the final third, it shifts to uh, to um, uh,
1: Vera Miles to like Yeah, I know. And 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 the thing is, all of that. St- Prelude of 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 her taking the money and driving away and getting stopped by the cop in the desert and trading the car in for another car yeah and all all this time is spent on that it doesn't have anything to do with what's yeah, going to come it's irrelevant the only it's reason just, it's, it's like well
0: like what's the point of all that but it all but it all works it does it's uh, well and that was the thing that came up is that um, it's an experimental film disguised as a thriller because using the skeleton of the narrative thriller, even though it doesn't actually use the skeleton because it's structurally completely different, everything about Psycho is telling you that it's a normal movie, and that's why it's so disturbing, because it, it won't behave. Yeah. It keeps moving and fishtailing yeah. and swerving. Uh, the, only part, the
1: only part about Psycho I don't like is the long-winded oh, epilogue. Yeah. It's like, move it along. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think that's there so people could basically compose themselves and leave the theater. <laughs> it's one of those like Hitchcock joked about that he said he couldn't just end it with Norman and uh, Norman grabbed an institutionalized they needed something else yeah. to, to sort of let the air down it to just let takes breathe again but yeah, it does it's, it's like six minutes oh long. Long. it's too long and now of course all the psychobabble has dated Yeah, but oh, okay. rear, rear Window doesn't give you any that, like, that was the thing that I realized watching it with Kate this time it doesn't it's all exposition. Everything mm-hmm. about it is information. And it's because you learn everything that Stuart learns. Yeah. That Jimmy Stewart learns as he learns. But because he's there to formulate yeah. it with you, yeah. it doesn't feel like a lecture or, or, um, or pay yeah. attention to this, pay attention to that. The camera's doing that work for us. The other thing that surprised me this time was watching the re-release trailer afterwards that was included on the DVD, and it was from Paramount post-Psycho. And they were framing it as a nail-biting suspense thriller. Having watched the film again for the first time in a couple of years... It's remarkably calm. It's not, I mean, it, it, there's a simmering tension
1: throughout, but well, it's, it's not, so much more a romance picture and a relationship it's story. Really, It's not until, it gets the most tense when Grace Kelly goes over there.
0: And that's 105 minutes in. I mean, it's yeah, but it's, it's Yeah,
1: it, but it, it's, what it is, it's a puzzle movie, I guess, mm-hmm. in a way. It's like you are with him trying to put it together. And we're making, we're you know, it's a, this kind of this cinematic jigsaw, and you're putting, you're trying to put the pieces in, until you can see the full picture of what it is.
0: Yeah, and Hitchcock, being Hitchcock, it's probably going to end in something nefarious. Yeah. But there's still the possibility that he might be wrong, and that I think the film is engagingly made and, and intelligent enough that it would be fine if it was all a misunderstanding. I, we would have forgiven it because <laughs> it would make sense, and and because also the thing that really caught me this time is that uh, L. B. Jeffries is. Kind of a dick.
1: Yeah, he is a bit. <laughs> and he's and he's and he's so incredibly rude yeah. to Grace Kelly. He is trying his best it. to break up with Such her. He is. He she is doesn't doesn't want, to. want to. he is a dick to her. Uh, I think ultimately and she in fact has to to win him over by being, you know, having this sort of daring aspect to her personality. Mm-hmm. And that's what wins him over. But uh, she could, should just have easily been, you know. I don't know, he should have come around anyway. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he is. And that part, those are, that's some of the stuff that feels, that's maybe the only stuff in the movie that feels a little dated, mm-hmm. is his attitude towards her. But I also like in the movie that it's, it's especially for its time, it's very grown up. You know, yeah. like when when his friend the cop looks at her penoir, or whatever, and he says, "Well, do you tell your landlord everything?" I just love that line. <laughs> I love that line. It's so. And he just looks at you guys. He just gives her gives him this look. Yeah, and, it's weird that he keeps
0: telling him to watch himself too, because the idea of them—they're already in a relationship. They're clearly yeah. dating. The idea that she's around shouldn't surprise anyone. And yet, there is this weird moral backbone that that Jeff has that no one else has in the, in the film. Um, you know, Thelma Ritter is much more easygoing.
1: With, oh, uh,
0: Stella, Stella's fine with everything. She even offhandedly makes a joke about parts of people, and then yeah. catches herself.
1: We watched that. We were watching it this morning, and, <laughs> and when she came on, we've been binge watching '80s episodes of Cheers. As soon as she came on, we thought that could be Carla's mother. Yes, oh, God, <laughs> she's gonna yeah. be Carla's mother. It's just sort of... the no nonsense working. Uh, oh, yeah. working character.
0: The and and the other thing. The other. I keep saying the other thing. The thing, ha- th- This movie has an incredibly deep bench. Even people who don't have names, who don't... We, we know very, very little about them. We know nothing more than than Jeff knows, because mm-hmm. he doesn't interact with his neighbors, which is some weird commentary on New York City, I guess. But it plays to the sort of prejudices of small-town viewers at the time. It's, it's very yeah. canny to have that aspect there, that yeah. they're all intricately linked, but they don't know each other. And that Jeff isn't the only one who's hostile, um, the, the owner of the dog gets her speech about how mm-hmm. people are rotten and uh, Thorwald is allowed yes. to operate because nobody really cares what he's doing. I mean, he's careful about his time, but he's also not that careful. Yeah. And it's fascinating to see all the pieces, all these moving parts of the story literally represented
1: in this set that they built, this A massive and There is that kind of, of thing where they create tension when they think that the woman killed herself and they lose focus On the main story that they're worried about with Thorwald and his wife, and and then they think, oh my God, this woman is taking her own life. Mm. It's it's brilliant movie. Yeah, and the story of Miss Lonely Hearts is itself a self-contained.
0: Yeah, she has a full arc. She thinks she considers suicide. She's redeemed by the music. And there's the arc of the guy, the composer. Yeah, which is another story that syncs up to it. It is. It's not that Jeff fixes anybody else. He really only solves Thorwald's case. But through him, we become invested in all these other stories that he should be caring about just as much. And it is kind of fascinating that he is presented over and over again as as the Watcher, as this character who monitors people through his window because he's got nothing else to do. He's fixed in place. But he's also invented stories for them that aren't as interesting as their real lives, which slowly
1: emerges over the course of the film. And, of course, his whole job is to be a Watcher. Yeah. He's a photographer. It's interesting how it's become rear window even if it went through a period where people didn't see it it's become a part of the popular culture I mean there's a whole Simpsons episode that's a take yeah. off on rear window Yeah. and and uh, and, uh, and you know so it's it's very much a part of much, I think it's much more a part of the culture than even like a movie like Vertigo even though there's been you know who, the film institute and others have voted as the best movie ever made which I think <laughs> might be true but it's not in the same way a part of, the con- of, the, of our culture in the way that Psycho, or The Birds, or hmm. or uh, or Rear Window.
0: Yeah, if you mention Vertigo, people they get a feeling. It's about the obsession. It's about the darkness of it. But that's here too. There's a there's a, an obsession with with watching. It's not quite the same as remolding a woman into the uh, the smitten yeah. image of
1: the dead woman I think, you cared about. But I know we're straying here. But I think that the last five eight to five to eight minutes, the last five to eight minutes of Vertigo are the best last few minutes of any movie ever made. No, that going up the staircase at the end is just... I've, I've watched it over and over again that scene. I
0: would be hard pressed awesome. to argue. I don't know what else. I mean, they're... yeah. See, now I'm just distracting myself thinking about possibly... <laughs> Jaws! I would say Jaws. Um, Jaws is pretty good, Jaws but is I great. think this is
1: better. No dialogue, all well, confrontation. Funny, it's funny. I had tweeted, I tweeted that one day that the last eight minutes of that were the best and, and it's any movie ever made. And Stephen King responded, What about Maximum Overdrive? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think, like the argument, yeah, I think the argument falls apart uh, pretty quickly. <laughs> That's the James Cameron recency effect argument. They, the thing that people go out of the theater thinking about is the only thing that, if you can wow them in your last reel, then it really doesn't matter what happened in the first 100 minutes because people will come out talking about the ending. Certainly... Hitchcock did that Mm -hmm. pretty often, but Hitchcock's also much more, and I was trying to figure out this time if it was because of the period that he was working in, but I don't think it is, he was much more restrained than a lot of the thriller payoffs than we have come to expect, but also of the time, you know, pulps would, uh, film noir and pulp films of the 40s and 50s would end with characters standing collected over corpses, Hitchcock didn't really do that, he left stuff hanging and let you figure it out and, you know, you don't see things, you are, are left to imagine what happens.
1: And I think that's really very effective. And I think, and, and again, no, never more so than in Rear Window because mm. we never see the murder. We've yeah. never seen it. We don't see the dismemberment. We don't see the getting rid of the body. All we see are the peripherals of that event and put it together. But we we can imagine it. And yeah. Thelma Ritter helps us. We're sort of encouraged to with her. Yeah, yeah. She's constantly,
0: constantly pointing out how grisly something would be and mm. how horrible something would be. The, uh, and, and doing it again in the most matter of fact way, just—I so, don't think she's speaking from experience, but she certainly understands how difficult it would be to wash a bathroom wall down. Oh yeah, just the way she puts that out there—it's <laughs> just well, yeah, it, it would be. And that's a performance that supports the reality of the film. It builds our understanding of the
1: difficulties involved. Well, she's also very helpful for. It's funny when you start writing things like I have—I like have to for whether it's a book or something. hmm it's this way of doing backstory, so you understand, you know. And, and, when we were, when, and when she gives some dialogue about, she happens to say in conversation, "Well, in the two weeks I've been treating you here for such and such." Well, right. nobody says that, you know what I mean? But but she gives us backstory. Yeah. She's a, what what my editors call an info dump, right? Sure, you know, and uh, have I have some sort of you know somebody walks in the door and says gosh it's so nice to see you three years since I saw you in Poland right, who yes. says that you know yeah. and Larry so I'm your brother how many times
0: <laughs> how many times do you hear a variation of that that's something? right I'm your brother how many times do I tell you this yeah I'm your brother and I love you which yeah. is the other thing that I've grown tired yeah. of that and the phrase uh, you said so yourself which now shows up in every single piece of television and film you said so yourself you said so yourself it's always dropped in in the second or third act to, to push the character I always the thought the line we always decision. hear was that went well sure that's a punchline <laughs> that's a punchline that's, that's right and it's not serviceable the way or right? it is a work of but that, um,
1: but that is things. that is kind of what she does in a way I mean she's very helpful in the plot later because with, with when Grace Kelly goes over and so on but she is there to kind of give you backstory.
0: yeah and the um, the film relies on so many things that we simply don't have anymore or don't have to worry about just the idea that there's no phone, you know, I'll I'll oh, yeah. I'll flash something in you know, or I'll flash uh I'll flash my flashbulb. I'll I'll fire a flashbulb in order to get your attention mm. as opposed to every other scene in the film as well, if you had a cell phone mm-hmm. or the moment where... Um, is it Stella who calls or, or Lisa who calls him at one point and says I couldn't find anything. Yeah. And I thought, oh she must have gone to a payphone. Yeah. She can't be calling from inside the apartment, she's already left. How did you where would you and that's the thing that no one would have blinked at in 1954, but right. now it takes me out of the film because
1: I know. But I don't I don't those things will bother me when I watch you. I, I think it's you know, I think that it was it was a simpler time. It was a nicer it was you know, that technology has afforded or has eliminated so much of storytelling. You know, imagine if 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 Philip Marlowe had the internet, right? The books would have been twelve pages. Sure, he didn't have to knock on doors. No. Yeah. He so just but now, emailing it's, people. It's, that's that's right. That's right. Or I have it. Or you know, there's there's always the young kid who's the tech wizard who you go and say, "Hey, can you find out for me?" And he does. In the next chapter, you have all the information. Sure. That's also called lazy writing. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm thinking about every CSI episode where DNA results are available in 30 seconds. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Is yeah, that right. something... Just get a coffee, come on back, I have about 10 minutes.
0: Yeah, does that change the expectations of your audience now? I mean, do people think they know more? Because this is
1: apparently a thing that infects real trials. Oh, it does, yeah. Junk science and, and yeah. fiction have led people to expect... Well, you know, there's there are so many shortcuts in television storytelling, and it's not just that. I mean, you know, I mean... Every single legal case that so would have taken three years to get through the courts managed to go through in a 40-minute episode of Good Wife and right. get resolved. Sure, yeah. You know, they had a continuance in 10 minutes, and then they had all the the detective fan, and everything. Like It was just, you just had to think, you know what, I just can't worry about that anymore, because they can't tell a story in the logical sequence that real life happens. Mm-hmm. You just can't do it. But if you're constructing
0: text, if you're working in, in fiction as a novelist, yeah.
1: does that... Changed
0: your relationship to it as well, can you allow for the passage of time or is it more important that stuff moves like a shot
1: well you, you have to you have to make comp- you have to make some allowances and compromises. you have to think I just have to bend the rules here because what I want to be able to tell a story and and do it to the point that you will accept it. I mean, and I'm going to bend a few rules, and I'm going to cut a few corners. And as long as I don't do it too egregiously, I'm hoping you'll come along for the ride. Right. Well, Hitchcock's argument was always that he didn't worry about the refrigerator <clears throat> question,
0: right? The thing that people would watch a movie, go home, go to bed, get up in the middle of the night, go to the refrigerator to fix a snack, and think, wait a second, that was his argument. If you're <laughs> thinking about it then, I did my job during the movie. It doesn't matter. But I was trying to figure out if there are any refrigerator questions in rear window, and there really aren't. I mean I don't f- Well, I
1: always get confused about the head in the garden at the end. like mm. what? That part always what the dog was digging at. That part I always have to to sort of rewind and watch that again, it confuses me. And there's a scene in vertigo that's one of, that apparently is one of those, you know, refrigerator at three in the morning, and that's the scene where when he's following uh, this, the woman and she goes into that house, where she has rented a room. And then he goes in afterwards and talks to the landlady. No, she wasn't here, and so forth. It doesn't make any sense, that scene. Because she's not a ghost. like She doesn't go through walls, but he just somehow misses her. And that scene, I've watched it many times. I've I've gone online to to sort of see what people are saying about it. And it's a scene that kind of doesn't make sense. It's a scene that Hitchcock just left in so that later you'd go, wait a minute, (laughs) what was that? I always just assumed the landlady was in on it. She was part of I, the insurance fraud. No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's it. Okay. I just don't think that's it. And uh, and you couldn't have a lady who committed insurance fraud go on and be on the Waltons. That
0: that's was just wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it was a different time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> people,
0: you know, it was people knew what they had to do. They did. Yeah. You wouldn't. You would forgive a lot, I think. But yeah, I I don't know. The only thing in Rear Window that sticks out about the head is that if it's the head or, or and not the saws. Uh, which is also speculated mm. whatever it is is gone it does explain why Thorwald doesn't flee right away because he has to stay and take care of whatever that is mm. but that then he be. also has to kill the dog which if you he's know, moved it there's no reason to kill the dog yeah well the, the reason to kill the dog would be that the dog will dig it up right you know? but if he's already moved it there's nothing yeah. there to dig up but if you don't have him kill the dog it doesn't establish threat it that's the moment i mean that's the moment where all the hostility coalesces and we discover that he killed the dog because he's the only one who doesn't respond to he's the only one who doesn't go to the window to the shouting
1: yeah yeah so a little that little ember of the cigarette mm-hmm. which gorgeous. is such a beautiful shot gorgeous scene
0: and also gives <clears throat> the it gives Lisa's character the impetus to keep going that's where she comes around and and you know sometimes i just
1: i don't know that it unless except for the the big major you know uh, uh, moving parts of the story Sometimes I just don't feel that you have to resolve everything. Right. And I've done that in some of my books where I've left some sort of plot threads that are out there because they're not part of the main story. And and some readers are like, well, what happened about so and so? Well, it's like real life. Some things don't get resolved. Yeah. Like, or he got away with it, or you know, we don't care about him anymore. And then like they're very upset. Yeah. Like we want oh, everything. Sure. We want a nice little bow at the end of every single plot thread is dealt with. Yeah. Well, this is where you
0: get these idea of plot holes that aren't actually plot holes, but that's what people call them because they're not satisfied. Mm. They want to know more, therefore the story failed them, which is not how that works. <laughs> um, a friend of mine used to say, trust the film. Uh, if people asked questions while they were watching, if he was there, he would say, no, just, just... You'll, you'll find out. Watch the trust yeah. the film. It'll get there. Yeah. And the idea that it doesn't always get there... It's fine if it's not the A-plot, if it's not the focus right, of right. the story. Um, it must have been on like
1: my 12th viewing of Vertigo. Mm-hmm. I suddenly went, who got him down from hanging off the eaves trough? <laughs> That's you know? right, the first you know, day comes over, Like he falls down and he's hanging there and the other cop goes by and dies and he's still there. Well, what happened? Yeah. How did he get down? Eh, there were the cops. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, I and mean, that's fine. There were people behind the first guy. The, the, just, the most fit it, person made it up the stairs fastest, and then died. I, don't. I, don't. I, don't, I don't, it doesn't matter, but it's just it's funny how it just hit me one day. And went, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and those things again, like refrigerator questions. If they're bothering you
0: that far in, then they can't have been that important. But yeah. the the impulse of the brain to start picking apart things we already know and see how... I mean, it's it's the watchmaker's argument, right? How did this go here? How did that fit there? Why is... Why, how did they get a car on the set to go back and forth? Is it the same cab every time? Did they repaint the numbers? Because it is... You know, a practicality
1: becomes a thing, but it's yes. also so purely entertaining. And It's like if you've watched Bullet enough times, mm-hmm. which I have far too many times, <laughs> and if you watch The Chase... Enough times you realize that there's a little green Volkswagen that shows up at least twenty times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they could they not have gotten a red Volkswagen to it? That's it. Well, now they're just digitally recolored. That's right. But
0: but yeah, in the olden days when you had to make the movie with the pieces you had in right. front of you, I mean, there's it's still kind of impressive to realize there's no digital effect at all in Rear Window to cover the skyline or no. the backdrops. They What look, a set. That is, yeah. what a set. That is. Doesn't look like a painting. I mean, that looks like a sunset, and then later it looks like a sunrise, and mm. they just swapped it out,
1: obviously. But you know, every time I look at it, and I look at all of the brickwork, and the terraces, and the windows, and mm-hmm. think, that's a set. Yeah. It took a months to build it. Wow.
0: And uh, apparently, again, I'm going by IMDb trivia, uh, eight apartments were fully furnished. The, the primary sets, any place you actually spend more than two minutes looking in, were fully furnished. Fully furnished. Costumes were there. Everything was... You know, painted and papered mm-hmm. to the characters of the... to the, Or rather, everything was painted, papered, and, and dressed to suit the personality of the people. Miss um, uh-huh. Torso's space is very sparse because... Mm-hmm. That, supposedly, because she knocked stuff off... Like, the character would have learned that if she put stuff on shelves, would she would knock them off, when off when she's while she was around. practicing. And the choreography was all conceived of by the actor. Uh, really? Hitchcock just let her do it. He said, just go to the music, wow. do whatever you're doing. I didn't know that. And the... Um, what was the other thing I didn't know? Uh, oh, uh, the, the mattress bit. The, the mm-hmm. couple that's sleeping on the mattress. Uh, supposedly, Hitchcock told them each actor to pull the mattress in through a different direction. So they're fighting, yeah. and it's a real confused fight. <laughs> and it was the only take. He didn't need to do it again. Oh, I love that. He just turned the water on and let them figure it out. Oh, I love that. That's really that's a fabulous detail. Yeah, and it's the sense of real life in the characters whose lives we don't get to spend any time in. Yeah. We just watch them in these tiny little moments, as Jeff must, yes. whenever his attention is on
1: them, our attention but, is but on But you're them. right, they're all these wonderful little vignettes, like the newlyweds. Yeah. And, you know, by day two or three, how exhausted the man looks. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a sexist joke, but also but kind of um, still kind progressive. Fun. I have to admit, yeah. all, all the stuff that I
0: thought would date hasn't dated. Or yeah. at least you can explore it from different directions. Like, yeah. Lisa having more depth than Jeff expects is... It, you know, it's a reversal of his, yeah. uh, his sexist presumption that she's only interested in dresses and pretty clothes. And she's much smarter and more resilient and resourceful than he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, we still get that little sting at the end where she puts away the, the big important yes, book and Vogue. pulls up yeah, is his yeah. arm. I love yeah. that scene, though. No, I love it's, it. And Grace it's just, Kelly sells it. She's, yeah. you know, she's able to show us that she has layers and multitudes and sides. And, and she... Just the fun she has with that accent, which I'm pretty sure is her own accent, but up about 10%. She's just a little more spoiled, a little really more society.
1: Oh, you can see my apartment from here?
0: Yes, all the way up there on, was it, 90s? Oh, yeah. She's, you just know she overlooks Central Park, and she comes for money and all that stuff. She brings lobster thermidor, which is the 50s cliché of a meal. Yeah. But it's such a perfect touch, because she wouldn't see it as a cliché. She would see it as the best lobster thermidor. No, this yeah. is you know, they make fun of us because this is so good. This is the one you're supposed to have. Uh, catered dinner from 21 in the, uh, in the Tiffin boxes. It is, it's such a, we know so much about her before she ever does anything. Yeah. Um, and part of that, is, <clears throat> part of that is Grace Kelly and part of that is uh, the weird disdain that that Jeff has in that monologue about her life. Mm. Uh, she couldn't possibly
1: appreciate what he does. but, and his way, he just sort of exasperatedly says, "Of the dinner, it's perfect."
0: Yeah, and it's sad for him. Yeah, and it doesn't make any sense to us. Um, <laughs> but I guess that's it, right? Because if you have Grace Kelly in your movie, you're going to have to find reasons for her not to be perfect. Yeah. Um, I'd forgotten how few films she made and how much of an impression she made in them. And she is just she's just wonderful,
1: luminous. Yeah. yeah. Is she the one, who's in um, *Dialing for Murder? That's her.
0: Yeah. I like that
1: movie, too. And uh, he used her, I
0: mean, obviously Hitchcock and Blondes, he used her a few times in his films, but she's just, there's something about her, especially when she's playing the fashion plate, that nobody else has. She she wears fashionable costumes consciously. She's
1: performing in them. It's as much of an armor
0: (coughs) as it is a, a wardrobe.
1: Another thing I like about Rear Window is I think, we talked about plot holes, it has, <laughs> the plot, I think, really does hold together, unlike, I mean, oh, yeah. if you think very hard about Vertigo, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, there's so many loose ends, there's so many ways for it to go wrong, there's so many places where has, the, the plot could, the, the, the subterfuge could have fallen apart. Sure. it just, it's, it's, you can't think about it. Because it'll just completely unravel mm-hmm. But the fever dream aspect But it's is like Enough so to locked. carry you through You're just You're, you're lost in, the, in those The drapes and Another movie I just I think is a really Overlooked movie That I absolutely love That is so Vertigo inspired Is Obsession
0: The Palmas DuPont. film Yeah Which is coming back out On Blu-ray In North America yes, I, Finally I, Yeah, I love that movie um, Shout Factory is releasing it In one of their Shout Select titles In
1: March or April I think I watched it again uh, A couple months ago I, I love that movie
0: yeah, me too. I um, I found it on. Uh, there's a There's a UK edition that I picked up in Scotland. I found it mm. in a used store in Aberdeen for like eight pounds, and jumped on it. Oh yeah. To the point where I think I had to be pulled off the rack. Oh,
1: I, I truly, I love that movie.
0: It is such a weird. I mean, his 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 Hitchcock riffs are so blatant that you, after a while, you just can't hold it against him anymore. Yeah. And what he does in Obsession is find that one nugget of something in Vertigo that no one explored fully, that even Hitchcock didn't really find. And just push right into it. That yeah. overheated, agitated paranoia that comes mm-hmm. with obsession. And yeah, I don't know that Cliff Robertson has ever been better. He's oh, fantastic he's in, that. in that. He's just great in that. I love that movie. And it's funny that the attempts to remake Rear Window have all had to disassociate so much. I mean, there was the Christopher Reeve TV movie, which... I never mean, saw that. Yeah, it's pretty stunty. And it was made for television and it feels like it. It yeah. just doesn't have the the sprawl. Uh there's Disturbia, yeah. of course, the um Oh, I uh, think I have seen that. Yeah. It's yeah. not bad. It's uh it's a little too <clears throat> teenagey hippie kind of thing. I mean Fright Night sort of
1: yeah. plays
0: on it. Um there's a mimic sequel that plays as a rear window knockoff. Like and there's The Simpsons. Yeah, Simpsons. <laughs> which in twenty two minutes you can get away with it. Yes. It actually works. <laughs> But the problem with all of the remakes has been, as far as as best I can tell from having watched them all, is that you watch them and go, "Well, I could be watching Rear Window." I'm, yeah. I'm the, why, the investment why watch of time. this? Yeah, it, you, <clears throat> this has been done perfectly. There's really, there's no, there's no new wrinkle you can bring to it. And now, I suppose you could do something with surveillance
1: cameras and monitors. Well, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, that's kind of what I tried to do with with my I Trust Your Eyes was to bring. A, an updated kind of version, different, something different too. Right. But
0: you're working in prose; you can get away yeah. with that. Yeah. You're not comparing camera shots and angles no. and performances. We're we're building that world. Yeah. Instead, the um, the logical question then is, is whether there's anything people should be looking for in, uh, in Never Saw It Coming. Is there
1: a Hitchcock route?
0: I was trying to well, figure this out.
1: I was. I think Never Saw It Coming is um, was a fun book to write. I think what if there's any sort of comparison, I'm not really in plot, but I think that what I tried to do in that book is kind of always pull the rug out from under you, is that you think it's going this way, and then it's not, and then you think it's going to go that way, and then mm-hmm. it's not. And there's always an opportunity for it to go wrong yet again. And and so that's why it was really, it was a lot of fun to write that book, and it was a lot of fun to write the screenplay for it. And it's, it's just always trying to, and of course I have, when I did the first draft of the book, I didn't have a good ending on it. And and then I saw a way to craft another a, a better ending, which I don't want to kinda of get into now because no. I want to just see it. But it's but but it's that where all the little these little pieces come together, uh, in a way that the you know, that Keisha Ceylon played by Emily Hampshire, you know, work something out. Yeah. And and so it was a lot of fun. So I think it's just it is a and, and I think that we are as a, as a viewer, even though she is not perhaps the best, you know, the most noble character ever, we're with her. Yeah. Even when she does really bad things, we kind of like her.
0: Well, the beauty of cinema, right, is that whoever you start with is usually the person you yeah. empathize with the most. And, and Emily Hampshire is such a... a I mean, I, I think she's just a, an incredibly present actor, so I'm always yeah. on her side no matter what she's doing. Even yeah. in 12 Monkeys, I kind of hoped she'd make it all work out for <laughs> herself. But the fun thing about uh, Never Saw Coming f- as a movie is the constant sense of spiraling. Yeah, the idea that every new mistake is going to create five
1: more mistakes. Oh yeah, it's effect. like that you just think things can't get worse and now they're going to get worse. Yeah, the domino effect. And, and if you have a, a you know a complete shit for brains boyfriend who you think is going to help you, she's not. Yeah. And it's only going to make it worse and worse, and and so you just keep thinking there's we're getting in deeper and we're not going to find a way out of this, and until you do, right, and and that's kind of that's kind of true. Of, I think of any kind of good screenplay or book is that you keep, you know, torquing it up. And, and every time you you give your, your hero a problem, you think, well, this can't get worse. And then it gets it, makes it worse. Just one more turn. Yeah. You know, it's like turning that screw in as hard as you can. Yeah. And and that was fun to do with that story. Yeah. Whereas Rear Window is sort
0: of the reverse, right? I mean, it's a streamlining of problems. Yeah. Because as we get closer to Thorwald, everything else kind of falls away. Yeah. And the, uh, all the distractions, until they are distracting again, but the focus narrows and narrows, that that beautiful shot of the telephoto lens the first time we see it, this monster that he's pulled out. it's oh, Where he sits it up like this. Yeah, yeah where there's yeah. effort, he's using his arm as a monopod and he's focusing on it. Well,
1: and it's also, I mean, the real suspense in that movie is when the, the, the courtyard that we see from that rear window is like this huge canyon and the suspense is when will... Thorwald make it to the other side mm-hmm. you know when will he cross that sort of threshold to get to the side where, where Jimmy Stewart is right because as long as Jimmy is in his apartment he as long as he's there and he's over there protected we're fine but then when we don't know where Thorwald is and is it possible he's coming over that's when it really gets hairy mm mm-hmm.
0: And again, five minutes before the ending. There's, yeah. no, there's no time. It's just drawn out yeah. so long. And then everything literally speeds up because they're using that step frame effect to make people run a little faster through the courtyard. and oh, yeah, that. Looks, looks so silly.
1: <laughs> I assume people accepted it then. Yeah, it's hard more to believe so. it ever didn't seem silly.
0: <laughs> you know. <clears throat> yeah, and why isn't regular speed fast enough? I mean, you would think if it took a little longer, it would be more suspenseful. Yeah, I don't get that. That's I think so it's just weird. supposed to make us jolt in the, the sense that something is wrong
1: there's, um, there, there's you know he tried tricks like that here and there just to and, that's, people... and, that, you know, and of course the only thing that really looks dated is when he falls yeah that that's looks a pretty you know it's, presses uh, shut it looks a little bit they did it better in Die Hard sure <laughs> well I mean it was a longer fall it was a longer fall I um, just
0: watched that again with um, uh, for Jeremy Lamont's podcast and, and oh, did the that? story behind that. I mean you know the story right the, um, they didn't tell Rickman when they were going to drop him Oh yeah, <clears throat> they said they gave him a twenty count and they dropped him on five, so it's real. Like wow. it's, <clears throat> His shock is genuine. It is the best Christmas movie ever made. I know. Um, I'm trying to think if there's a Christmas connection to me. No, Rear Window. Rear Window is one of the best New York summer movies, even though it was shot in Los Angeles on a soundstage. You believe it? Yeah. That sweaty, sweltering sense where the rain—what is it? The was rain it just makes year the heat itch. wet.
1: Seven, seven years year is pretty. Do you know I have a friend? Die Hard three. Die Hard. 3. I have a friend. Uh, he's a. Uh, he reviews crime fiction, and he's wrote a huge biography of the crime novelist Ross McDonald that I'm actually in because oh, I yeah. knew him and so forth. And I go and see him in when I'm in, in California, we'll meet for lunch, and I found out he was a child actor that in the seven-year itch, the little kid that's put on the train with the mom to head out of town, that's uh-huh. him. Huh. And I said, that's you. And so I watched it and I went, my God. Yeah, I couldn't tell as soon as I saw him. Did, Why did he stop working? Did I don't just... know. He even had... He even had this guy. He, his name was Tom Nolan. He even had his own TV show. I can't try to think of the name of it. It was like 1958. Went well, one season. He was this like 12-year-old kid in a western town and huh. all his adventures. It was on NBC. Oh, uh, yeah, it was just it's, it's it's. I mean, it has nothing to do with anything. It just sort of hit me that I was so surprised yeah. to find out that that was him. That is it's kind of amazing.
0: Yeah. I didn't. Uh, you mentioned before we started recording that you'd seen Re- uh, Rear Window about 20 times. How often have you seen it theatrically? I was just kind of wondering how, how many times you've have you seen it
1: big? I have only seen Rear Window in a theater once. The TIFF screening and it you was, mentioned? TIFF did a screening of it two, three years ago, and I thought, I've got to go see that on a big screen. And it was interesting because on a big screen, you know, you could really see the set. Yeah. And I saw things I had never seen before. And I'm in, and you're sitting in the theater, and you now have this immense canvas. And I was literally kind of pointing. Look, there's you know, yeah. there's a dog or something there I had never noticed before. Or there's there's that hose that's coiled up against the wall. These were little details that I'd never seen before. Yeah. So I've just seen it once in a theater. Oh wow. It and it incredible. was it was wonderful. You know what's great about it, it was wonderful about Tiff is that. You know I remember when I was a kid. Uh, my dad and i went to see 2001 a space odyssey at the theater in lindsay ontario okay and about four years ago tiff ran it as it was originally shown with the intermission and everything and i took my son to see it who at that time was like 29 or 30 and that was just such a great experience but it was it was nice to see a Rear Window. I'd love to see I'd love to see Vertigo at Diff. I'm sure they've run it and will run it again. Oh yeah, it'll be back. I went. I mean, you know, it's neat to see things there. Uh, I wanted to go see Duel, Spielberg's TV movie, there, mm-hmm. which I just adore. They ran that there earlier, and I got sick. I couldn't. I wanted to go, and I ended up getting the neurovirus. Oh God! Which I, I which is an excellent weight loss program yeah. if you're interested. Had one once, um, and. Uh, but it's wonderful seeing stuff that on a big screen that you have. I I feel you know I I I, I, I feel a little sorry sometimes for uh, our kids or our, you know who who will never have the opportunity to see on a big screen for the first time Empire Strikes Back or Alien or Jaws or yeah. things, and they and they've grown up seeing them on video and have never had that astonishing experience of seeing it.
0: Big. Yeah, my own um, tick has been, lately, has been seeing uh, Jaws uh, theatrically as often as possible, because um, I grew up watching it on, on VHS, pen and scan, mm. didn't see it in a theatre until I was probably 19 or 20, and um, have, have seen it in four of the five screens at, at the Lightbox now, except oh, wow. the big one, except for Cinema One, and it's killing me. Uh, it didn't play there during the Spielberg retrospective, it was in two and three, and I was and, trying so hard.
1: And the other thing's a joy is to have seen these movies before anybody knew what they were about. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's something. So I mean, I saw Jaws as when I was seventeen or whatever it was, eighteen, the week it came out. Mm-hmm. And when that head shows up in the bottom of the boat, like that audience went insane. And to experience that, you know, like it's hard to have that collective experience now it is and the idea too that it precedes that the film's reputation
0: precedes itself that you know you're going to see one of the greatest movies ever made and you will almost certainly be disappointed
1: in that experience because of those expectations the um like seeing seeing Alien for the first time the first week it was in the theater I saw it at um you know the Waterloo Bloor the massive oh the university oh the university oh man when that chest burster scene happened you know like it was just you weren't just doing this (laughs) it was just it was just unbelievable experience. Yeah. I saw, it, um,
0: I saw it at the Uptown 1 at a midnight screening when they revived 70mm oh, yeah. Midnights for a while, and that was fascinating because the audience did know it, and it still got them. It didn't matter because your experience in that theater, the big cavernous space of the Nostromo and the theater working in concert together, just so incredibly
1: unsettling. I remember being in the Uptown the week that Carrie came out. And that would have played knew nothing and that scene at the end end, which is like three seconds from the end and you just and then the lights come up (laughs) you're (laughs) like what experience yeah Uh, that's cinema
0: I mean we should probably see if we can get Rear Window back into uh, theaters for a little while this this is the kind of thing we could set up with TIFF I think the the new print I mean I I was telling you this before we started recording as well I, I looked up my interview it turns out I interviewed Robert Harris When he did the restoration in 2000, Mm -hmm. when that started circulating. And the only thing that is applicable to the present day is that um, he wasn't happy with the home video version. The Mm. the video transfers that they'd made were unsatisfying to him, and he was going to try to go back and do it. So I should find out if he did it for the Blu-ray, and I'll mention it on the outro. But uh, hopefully he signed off, because the Blu-ray looks great. Oh, I bet. There's There's a really lovely box set. Uh, they're still. I'm sure they're still using the same masters, but there's one that came out about four years ago uh, in the UK and in America with 14 or 15, depending on where you buy it. North by Northwest is or isn't part of the package mm-hmm. uh, of Hitchcock's classics, the Masterpiece Collection, I think they called it. And the Rear Window disc is just sumptuous, just a mm. just a beautiful Technicolor transfer, and oh, it, I yeah. think it reflects the print that was released in 2000, uh, which was in a like the other bit of trivia I know. It was released in analog mono. Cool. Uh, they did not like Dolby Digital for the soundtrack he wanted an analog experience to go out with it of course now everything's DCPs oh yeah but uh, there are probably still some 35mm prints of that floating around There's, I know there's still a 70mm print of Vertigo floating around from the 97 the restoration wow alright I'll, uh, I'll talk to Cameron we can set something up okay My thanks to Linwood Barclay, whose first film as a screenwriter, Never Saw It Coming, is now available on demand from iTunes and other services. You can also find his books, including his latest thriller, A Noise Downstairs, pretty much anywhere the written word is sold. Thanks as well to Linwood's wife, Neetha, who was kind enough to sneak cookies in for us during the recording, and to Winnie Wong. She knows what she did. You can find Linwood on Twitter at Linwood underscore Barclay, and you can find Rear Window on Blu-ray and DVD from Universal Studios Home Entertainment, both on its own and in the box set that I mentioned. It's also available on iTunes and Google Play. Oh, and I looked into it, and Robert A. Harris was not involved in the mastering of the Blu-ray. It still looks pretty good, though. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner, and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-N-Cast, and on the web at movie.com. If you feel like leaving a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy the show, that would be greatly appreciated. Every little bit helps, it truly does. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening. <laughs>